Welcome, everyone. I'm, I'm inclined to like move this stand like right here. I, I won't do that, um, but I could. Um, welcome. It's it's uh, it's good to see you. Um, and uh, oh, thank you. Okay. Um, so we've been. Um, uh, thinking about Sabbath a lot uh, recently for our teaching series. We're just a little mini-series thinking about rest, leaning into rest. And I have to tell you, um, I, I think it's, I don't think I'm going overboard to say, like, Sabbath has saved my life. Um, it is, um, it has become a really important part of my life. Um, and you can probably tell, because I said it saved my life, that it wasn't always. Um, and it was very much not um, my practice at some point. I actually remember earlier, in, uh, way back when I was in divinity school, one of the faculty members told us that he, celeb he like, observed a 24-hour Sabbath, a 24-hour rest, all through his PhD program and even as a junior faculty member trying to make tenure. And I remember thinking to myself, that's crazy. Um, that's he said it was his secret weapon, and I said, that sounds insane. And so I didn't have a Sabbath. Um, I, that was just like filed way back, you know, in like a crazy thing that Ron Ritgers said in like 2005. In 2007, I began a PhD program, and we, and we planted this church. And life got crazy. And we bought a house, and we had a baby, and all of those things kept going on. And I had no need, I thought, for, for a Sabbath. Um, I continued to live at whatever, whatever pace I thought I needed to live. Um, and it was a couple of years into Junia's life, maybe a year and a half into Junia's life, that I found myself um, in the midst of what my life typically looked like at that time. I was... Uh, let's see, to put it mildly, multitasking. I was looking after Junia while also doing I'm, work for any number of things all at once, right? Probably trying to do some reading while, well, I, I, while uh, uh, in, in this case, I had, um, a friend had sent a sermon that he thought I should listen to. This was maybe slotted into my mind as church work. I could get this done while I was with, um, while I was, providing childcare, which seemed to me a major, like, inconvenience in an already busy life. So I was multitasking, and I was listening to this sermon. And early on in this sermon about Sabbath, this pastor, friend of mine, made this point about um, how he had come, when it was that he had come to realize that he really needed Sabbath in his life. And it was when he realized, he started to tell this story. Of, like I realized that regularly in my life, I would find that my, um, I'd be with my children, but I was never with my children. I was already always doing like three or four things at once, and my kids could never get my attention. They would never just say, Dad. They would say, Dad, Dad, Dad. And my he said his wife eventually came to say, this is your name. Your name is not dad. Your name is dad. 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 I cannot get your attention. And I'm sitting there listening to this sermon while ignoring my child, multitasking, doing all kinds of things. Junia had already learned at that point. I think she had once pointed to my computer or my phone or maybe both at different times. And, and with her, some of her early words, it said, 
not that one, never that one, right? There were signs, there were signs that all was not right. But I was in this moment where I was, but I was like, I, so I needed to stop multitasking, I thought, but I also needed to hear the rest of this sermon, right? So I remember putting Junia in the stroller, we went for a walk, and I thought that was good. I mean, we'd normally go on a walk, and I don't know, I was, I don't, I was, I was still broken, right? So I was like, I don't know, I don't talk to her anyway when we go on walks, that's probably a bad sign. Um, but like, like this will work out. Um, and I finished listening to this sermon as he went on, he kept describing my life and then describing this gift of God for the people of God. Um, we received one in communion, another, this gift of Sabbath, this gift of Sabbath. And it started to, to change my life, and it has become part of the rhythms of our family. We take uh, our Sabbath rest um, in sync with our Jewish community that we live in the midst of, um, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. I do not keep nearly as strict a Sabbath as my Jewish neighbors, but still, right, it has been a huge, huge intervention in my life just to mark out 24 hours during which I will not work. And so you can imagine how excited I was to get an assignment to speak during this series on Sabbath, on rest, more generally taking the lessons of Sabbath and allowing them to transform our whole lives. As Josh said last week, we found it helpful over the years to think about Sabbath in terms of three things. This is, this is a different shape than one we've used before. Is there a... It's always... Hmm. All right. Well, can I, like, point in your direction? There we go. That'd be great. Awesome. And that'll, that'll do its thing. Um, if you think about Sabbath in terms of three things, in terms of pausing, praying, and playing. And as I said, I... I mean, I think pausing actually has been the crucial thing for me. And I have to, I have to say, like, I, I think actually, like, I mean, this is, I think what the Hebrew word actually just means, Shabbat just means, like, pause, stop. And I actually think that, like, that's, I think that's, like, mm -mm. I think it's, like, 90% of it. I don't know if, maybe that's impious. You can tell me later. But, like, I really think a lot of it just comes down to just, like, whatever it is that you normally do, whatever rhythms that you, you are caught up in and don't know how to get leverage on, the core of Sabbath is just, just stop it. Like, whatever it is, just, just stop it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, don't do that and carve out 24 hours. And I, th and I think a, a, a huge, huge part of what God can do in your life, I think, just begins with that. Don't work. Learn that the world will find a way to go on without you. Like, 90% of it, maybe, is, is right there. And I'll tell you, play is also, I, it has been huge for me. Do something um, that is uh, useless right? Like it has no use. Something that you love for its own sake, not because it produces something else. Um, yesterday morning on our Sabbath and this morning, I was playing soccer with this incredible group of folks. This is like, this, the, these, these, are my, these are my people. This is like, um, there are like seven languages spoken on the field at any given time. Like it's just, anyway, it's just amazing, this amazing thing. Um, pause and play, I have I have down. But, but, but pray. Um, uh, pray actually was my assignment. Um, and I have to admit, pray, I'm not, 
I, that's not so much. Not, not a huge part of my Sabbath practice um, so far. And so I'm, I'm here to tell you, um, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, like, be the, like, representative of Sabbath and commend this practice to you and encourage you to take it up not just once a week, but let Sabbath ways of thinking sort of infect the way that you think about your life. Um, but I am right with you in trying to figure out um, exactly what prayer has to do with this. So um, why don't we ask God to be with us as we do that? And, um, and I think God has lots to share with us today. So uh, Holy Spirit, let's thank you for the ways that you offer us this gift of rest in our lives. Thank you for, um, for, for the gift that that is. Thank you for the work that you want to do in our lives, in and through rest. And I pray that you would help us understand what prayer has to do with, uh, with Sabbath, the particular gift that uh, is offered to us um, in the context of rest. Come and have your way. Amen. All right, so the first way I want to I want to tackle um, I want to tackle um, this is by um, thinking about how we can pray our way into Sabbath. I think we need to go a couple forward. Um, yeah, so praying our way into Sabbath. How prayer can help us actually receive the gift of rest that God is offering in our lives. Um, I have found that as I have taken up a Sabbath practice. Um, Something happens to me on Friday afternoons. Um, I talk to my Jewish friends, and, and apparently this is, this, is, this is kind of part of it. Um, but there's like a kind of panic that sets in on Friday afternoon um, because the sun is going to set, and I am committed before, before God that I will not work once the sun goes down. And so I begin on Friday afternoon to sort of panic about all the things that need to get done. Um, and some of you who may have been to our house for like worship and prayer gatherings that were happening on Friday evenings at our house during this past academic year, sometimes you would arrive in our living room just as I was sort of crashing into Sabbath. Um, this has been my experience, right? It's just sort of like, you know, it's like, right? Like what? Um, and so I've been, I've, been, I've been trying to figure this out, actually, trying to figure out how... Um, how can we actually pray in the Sabbath? Again, this is something that our Jewish neighbors do really, really well, um, but I've, I've felt a little bit outside of. And, and I think to get our, our, uh, a handle on how to pray our way into, uh, into Sabbath, we need to th consider what Sabbath is for. And I'm just really quickly going to go through um, several, several passages, um, two from the Hebrew Bible, one from the New Testament, um, we can start with in Exodus, yeah. In Exodus 20, when we get the, the, the Ten Commandments, we get the commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the justification is this, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but God rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What is Sabbath for? It's for imitating God in God's resting from God's work. But 
just, uh, uh, just a little bit later in the Hebrew Bible, in Deuteronomy, we get um, a, a different uh, rationale. Remember that you were, we get the same commandment, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Interestingly enough, for what it's worth, in the flow of the narrative in Exodus 20, the people who are hearing the words were literally the people who have been rescued from Egypt. And in Deuteronomy in the narrative, the people who are hearing the words are literally none of the people who were delivered from from Egypt. Um, But they're being invited to understand themselves as part of a particular people. Um, And it's important, right? You don't have to tell the people who came out of Israel that you were set free from Israel. You need to tell their children to make sure that they understand themselves. Um, Do we understand ourselves to be part of that people? It's a question we might ask ourselves. And one of the ways that we can do that to, to to say we are part of the people of God, that we are being and we have been and are being rescued by God is to observe the Sabbath day, to recognize that God has set us free, yes, from from sin, but from any other sort of enslavement that might come in our lives as well. And finally, in Hebrews, Hebrews 4, there remains, the writer says, then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from God's. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. It's a little obscure, but it's pretty clear in, in Hebrews that what's imagined here is not just a Sabbath rest that has to do with God's work of creation or a Sabbath rest that's in response to God's work of redemption, but a Sabbath rest that still awaits at the capital E, end of all things. Sabbath is creation and redemption and we theologians like to call consummation. These, those are big words, right? But it has to do with these three big things that God has done and is doing in the world. God who creates, God who redeems or rescues, God who draws all things together. And so in creation, we might engage with God in prayer. We can engage with God in prayer in each one of these ways, right? We can pray our way into the Sabbath by engaging God in conversation on each one of these fronts. In creation, engaging with God as the giver of good gifts. What good gifts can I enjoy today which will remind me of God's love and generosity and fuel my worship? Or in redemption, engaging with God as the one who sets us free. What are the things that, that, that have the potential to enslave me? We can consider that and think about that and ask God, how, God, are you setting me free today? Engage with God in conversation about that. And at the end, um, in consummation, engaging with God is the one who is make, with, with God is the one who is making all things new. You can ask God, um, God, would you fill my heart with a desire for the new creation? Um, what glimpses and foretastes um, are, uh, are, are, are there that I can um, enjoy today? Sorry, these are, the, these are these conversations that we might engage with God as a way of, pr- of sort of praying into Sabbath, transitioning so we don't crash into rest, but we in fact go into rest with a thought that God is the one who has invited us, God who creates, God who rescues, God who draws all things together, makes all things new.
And so we can engage in that sort of conversation. We can also, I think, commit ourselves to Sabbath, to rest through a Sabbath prayer um, like, like this one um, that I have, have borrowed here from uh, Christ Church London, which we'll use today as our benediction. We can commit ourselves to the pause. We can declare what we commit ourselves to tune out and what we commit ourselves to tune into. I'm excited to start using this <laughs> um, so as not to crash into Sabbath. So we can pray our way into Sabbath, but we can also pray as part of our Sabbath. And the life of Jesus, I think, suggests that there's a particular shape and a particular potency to this sort of prayer, a sort of prayer supercharged by the Sabbath pause. So here we need to ask, what is Sabbath prayer for? Yeah, yeah praying, uh, praying in the midst of Sabbath. Let me look at quickly at a couple of passages from the life of Jesus. Uh, first from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place. He had just had a tremendously successful night of ministry. People are getting healed. Demons are being cast out. There's a crowd, right? It's all great. He slips out early the next morning. He goes out to a deserted place, and there he prayed, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you, right? Ministry went great. We're like ready to do it again. Jesus answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns, for that is, uh, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. Sometimes just translated, that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. And so Jesus steals away to get God's perspective. Sabbath is, um, in this case, uh, one of the things that Sabbath prayer, it seems, can do is that Sabbath prayer can restore and recenter um, uh, us on God's perspective, right? We can sort of get some distance, a little bit of distance from our lives. I mean, I think it, there are kinds of prayers that should be, ought to be, are prayed in the midst of the work, um, the breath prayers. Um, one of my favorite prayers in the midst of things is just, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Like in the midst of everything, God, what are you doing? Right? There are the more panicky prayers, like, oh God, please rescue me, right? Like that, that, and that's right. Those are prayers like in the midst of things, we need that kind of prayer. But it seems like this is a different kind of prayer, right? Prayer that, that, that is taking advantage of what I'm calling the Sabbath pause, right? This moment to separate out and, and, and give, give ourselves a little bit of distance so that God can give us God's perspective, And so it seems that, that, you know, in as much as Sabbath is for restoring and recentering what's most important in life, putting those things back at the center of our attention, um, well, I mean, prayer in part is both an opportunity to give God a chance to do that, but prayer is also a way of actually doing that, right? Because relationship with God would be one of those important things that we would want to recenter in our lives. Relationship with God helps us They'll also put all things back in their place, all things in right relationship to each other and to God. 
That is, I take it, the kingdom of God. That's the message that Jesus is proclaiming. And so pressing pause and making space to hear from God reminds Jesus that even in the midst of tremendous ministry success in, in this one place, God has bigger plans for him. And there's something about leaving early in the morning, making that space, pressing the pause button, giving God an opportunity to speak in, in, in that moment gives Jesus the sort of mm, ballast in the bottom of the boat or the sort, of, um, uh, the sort of surety or certainty enough, right, to be able to resist his disciples and say, no, this has been good, but uh, I think there's more. We see something similar again um, in Luke 6. It says, now during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, uh, Jesus called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Again, Jesus presses pause here, right? He goes out to the mountain and he gives his and our Heavenly Father a moment to speak more broadly. In this case, about um, the 12, that would be his inner circle. And again, I, I think this is part of what Sabbath is for, is sort of putting back at the center the sort of central relationships of our lives. Um, and, and this is something that God could speak to us about in Sabbath prayer, in prayer sort of supercharged by the pause. Which relationships are, are most central in our lives? God, speak that back to us. Remind us, where should we, how should I be focusing my time and attention? I've pressed the pause button. Lord, would you give me clarity about that? All right, so we've talked a bit about how to pray our way into Sabbath. We've talked about the particular potency of prayer in the midst of Sabbath, be that during our day of rest or as part of other rhythms of pause in our lives. Right, Jesus, uh, these aren't necessarily like Saturday mornings for Jesus. It seems like whenever he needs to press pause, Jesus like separates himself out and, and goes to God in that moment of pause. So this is all, all well and good, and I, I, I hope, uh, well, we'll come back to it at the end. I hope there are actually, I think there are actually some really practical things like we could just try here, and I'm excited to try, and I hope you'll try out. But if you remember from the beginning, um, you're, listening, you're listening to the, like, pause and play guy, not the pause, pray, play guy. Um, prayer is, as I confessed already, hardly a part of my Sabbath practice. Why not? Can I be honest with you? Is it, is it a, is this a safe space? I, I think I don't pray, I've been trying to think about this, like why don't I pray very much, particularly on my Sabbath? And if I'm honest, I think the answer is I don't pray because it feels like work. It feels like something from which like I need a break. When I'm going to take a break, like, it doesn't feel like part of the break. Basically, I find myself asking, um, is prayer work? 
And if so, how can it be part of my Sabbath without it interrupting my rest? Does that make sense? So even if I know how to pray my way into Sabbath, which I didn't, but I, I have some hope now that I might um, try some things. And even if I was convinced of the potency of prayer in the midst of Sabbath, and I think that I definitely have experienced in my life, maybe not so much on Saturday mornings, but definitely in like right, that power to like press pause and invite God to come speak in the midst of life that's gotten too hectic. I still need to know if it's possible to pray as Sabbath, as part of rest, as part of the powerful pause, as a gift that God gives rather than a responsibility that we need to fulfill. For what it's worth, I don't know what that next one says. Oh no, yeah, well, we'll get there in a second. But for what it's worth, the ancient rabbis had no problem with this right? Um, they thought that like prayer and Bible study, like for them, these are like the essences of restful leisure, right? Um, so I, 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 when I was, especially when I was like uh, in a lot of ministry, when that was a lot of what my work looked like, I was thinking like, I got to ask my neighbors here, like, how does this, like, how do the rabbis, don't the rabbis have to work like on the, on Shabbat? Because they have to like do they have to like lead services and all these sorts of things. Like Christian pastors were often like talking to one another about like what day of the week do you take Sabbath? Because clearly it can't be Sunday because you have all this work to do. And the rabbi's answer, what do you mean working? Like we're like leading worship and we're praying and we are like interpreting the Torah. That is what we're going to do for all eternity. Um, it better not be work. Like it is the essence of rest to which I say, Sounds great, <laughs> but that's, that's not how it feels <laughs> to me, right? Um, not just at the, it's just gonna get more real for a second, right? Um, when I don't pray, it's usually because I don't want to, is that? anybody relate to this? I mean, sometimes it's, I say that I don't pray because I'm too busy. But I think this is what particularly, is particularly challenging to me about Sabbath prayer. It's like, but Sabbath is the day I've already marked off to pause. So if much of the time I don't pray simply because I don't want to, I think on the Sabbath I don't pray only because I don't want to. So some of you, actually, I'll, I'll just say, like, some of you don't have this problem, and hopefully you've gotten something out of this talk already, um, and you can, like, feel free to tune out and enjoy yourself at my expense, or you can pray for me, even right now, because um, I need it. But my hunch is that there are probably at least a few people in this room for whom this is actually right where you're at, right? How do we pray when we don't want to? And I, I want to suggest that basically, um, I think we can't, at least not for very long. You can try to fake it till you make it, but that at least has never worked for me. Um, I can fake it, but not long enough till I make it. Does that make sense? Like, I can fake it, but the making it hasn't happened by the time I run out of faking. Just being honest. Um, and I don't mean to talk down the possibility that God might ask you or has asked us to do difficult things or to suggest that we can't make good choices to invest ourselves in things that we know are good for us. 
even when we don't want to, right? Um, we, we can invest ourselves in things that we don't want to, we should invest, like we should make good choices um, about things and not just be driven by the whims of our desires. But my experience is that there are real limits to what we can accomplish down that road. Again, you can try to fake it till you make it, but I find that I can't fake it nearly that long. And the key, I think, believe it or not, may largely be to give up on the possibility that you will become a prayer warrior by sheer force of will. Willpower alone is unlikely to allow you to take up a habit that you genuinely don't want to take up. Instead, I think we need to get good at looking for the seeds of spiritual desire that we already have and then helping those seeds grow. I'm saying all this a little bit tentatively because I'm still learning this, but I've been learning this from, among a, among, among a few sources, um, Bill Elander, who does some uh, spiritual direction in his community. And it was one of the most freeing things that Bill ever asked me when he asked me, as perhaps he has asked uh, some others in this room, Let's, let's put aside all senses of duty, all senses of responsibility, all senses of what of what you want to want, or the kind of person you wish that you were, but you, as you actually are, what is one way that you would want to connect with God? What's something that you would want to do? Something that if you woke up in the morning and it was like on your to-do list, you'd be like, yes, I get to do that today, right? What is one thing that would connect you to God that you would look forward to? It's a really like freeing question when he asked me this question, right? Not the kind of thing that you, um, that, that the kind of person you hope to be someday would want to do, <laughs> but the kind of thing that like you want to do. What is it about God, about relationship with God that you actually desire? And I think in doing that, we need, that, that question has invited me to sort of Think about what part of myself is there that does want to connect with God, and how do I feed that part, right? And, and I've been trying to like sort this through in my head. So I think like that's probably not the, like the completely heathen part of me, right? Where there is just like no desire for God. Um, again, I don't know about you. There is such a part of me, um, and th I think that's not not what we're talking about. But nor is it that sort of fantasy super pious version of me that just can't wait to get in my prayer closet for days on end, right? I don't have a prayer closet. I heard that, that I, I don't, that's a phrase that people use. Um, I do, I have a prayer journal. Um, I pray, I, I, I wanna let you know, I do pray. Um, but, but, right, but like there's, um, like I shouldn't, when I'm trying to think about what would actually like get me to actually connect with God more in my life, it's not about like what that version of me, both I think versions of me are not, these versions of me are not actually me. Um, there's this third person who I think actually isn't like on that spectrum somewhere. I think it's actually a different thing, right? It's that real honest God created in the process of being transformed by God person, the real me. What does the real me genuinely desire when it comes to relationship with God. 
And this is the question that I've been finding actually like, okay, I can get some traction if I can be honest about, about that person, right? Because if it came to like he, heathen Matt, the, I was just like never pray. Like if I was just like, like uh, yeah, right? Bible warns against like, you know, gratifying the desires of like the flesh or like, like, like the unredeemed part of you, right? Those are not the desires we're leading into, right? But neither trying to sort of like imagine myself to be some other person who might have transformed desires. Someday would love to be that person for now. Who am I? Where am I right now? And what desires um, for connection with God can I actually feed and lean into? So, this year, um, we're, we're thinking about rest at this time, and I think it's a, a great time of the year to be thinking about rest in large part, as Josh talked about last, last week. Take us back to it. Just keep, yeah, there we go. Awesome. Um, and um, because, because we're in this sort of moment between uh, seasons, if you, like, are, if the academic calendar has anything to do with your life because you have children, because you teach in a school, because you go to school yourself, right? No matter what, like the summer is a little bit of this sort of pause moment in our annual cycle. This past school year, I think was the first time when my child's school calendar was much more important to my life than my school calendar. Um, and I like, I teach. Um, but like the last day that I taught, eh, wasn't a, didn't really change much in my calendar because this year, uh, I've been waking up at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning every morning so that I could drive Junia to school. Uh, this, is like, this was like the feature of this, of this year for our lives, was trying to get to Bethany, Connecticut by about 7.20 in the morning, um, breakfast eaten. Anyway, you can imagine how, how this all goes. And at some point in the dead of winter, when we all, I think, tend to like despair of life in New England, um, it occurred to me that this, pat, like the, the rhythm, the ritual of our morning routine had become wake up, I wake up in a panic, shower in a panic, run downstairs, wake up Junia in a panic, encourage her to be in a panic so that I feel like we're on the same page, eat breakfast in a panic, right? Um, then throw on clothes and do whatever else needs to be, do, need to be done in a panic, so we can get in the car in a panic, drive in a panic, arrive in a panic, right? You can see this is all going. And at some point, and we're doing this all, you know, in the pitch black darkness of February. Do you know what 5.45 in the morning looks like in February in New Haven? I do. It is, it looks the same as two in the morning in February in New Haven. Um, it was a dark, dark scene. And I found, my, I found myself one night and it, there was a spark that was like, a, this is not how I want to live. And not just how like the pious version of me would not want to live, like actual me. I don't want to live this way. And what actual me, not pious me, actual me thought, if we're gonna be up in the blankety-blank hours of the morning, we might as well, I don't know, light some candles as we sit down for breakfast. And what like actual me wanted, I wanted a candle lit and I wanted a prayer to pray. Like I, 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 I was stunned, I was surprised as you are. I wanted to do this, right? I wanted it. And, and so I, I, I remember like the first morning with Junior, I was like, this is a little artificial, I know we have our thing, um, but I'm gonna like, 
I'm, I'm going to try not to rush you, and we're going we're gonna to do this, this thing, and we're going to interrupt our routine. And we sat down for breakfast, we lit a candle, and we read this prayer from the Northumbria community, the morning prayer. And we read it every morning. Um, she takes a line, I take a line. We just like pray, pray this prayer over one another. By the end of the school year, we had it memorized. I mean, this just became, this was our morning routine. And I, t I tell you, did it, did it solve everything? No, of course. I'm, I'm, still, a I'm still a wreck. Um, uh, but like, but it really did change something, right? It changed like the whole tenor of the morning and it became this moment where every school day we were blessing one another, right? Um, you know, may, oh, I mean, at least, all right, in my mind, right, I'm just, like, thinking about, like, I think, I think this, uh, these prayers to me always, like, bring up, they're, like, roughly from, like, a Celtic sort of tradition, so I think what's being imagined here is, like, you're, like, out in the Celtic wilderness on missionary journey, and, like, what kind of blessing would you need prayed over you to keep you safe from the wilds, um, and I think, I thought to myself, yeah, middle school is exactly that sort of thing, right, like, this, this is what we need, um, and so, yeah, just a and, and I mean, and my professional life, I think, needed these blessings as well. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. And we'd finish. And sometimes we'd still be late. <laughs> and we'd, we'd run but, right, it became this moment. And it, and, it, and it really, it changed uh, so many things. A little moment of Sabbath, a little moment of rest, a little moment of Sabbath prayer every morning. Ironically, a prayer not prayed on Saturday or Sunday mornings <laughs> when I practice my Sabbath. I've been considering this irony. Um, but, uh, and now that the summer's here, so we're wondering, hmm, What's going to replace that? How do I? I think we have to return right to these rhythms as our lives change. Um, but this is one I'd love to figure out ways to continue and return to in the next academic year. So, um, yeah, a couple of invitations. Um, the worship team maybe can come on up. Um, first invitation is this. Um, Pray your way into Sabbath, right? You can ask God to help you. Uh, you can, these are roughly, right, creation, redemption, consummation. <laughs> Those labels are probably only helpful to a theologian. But anyway, ask, ask God to help you enjoy God's good gifts, to, to, to help you know yourself as set free by God, and to fill your heart with a desire for the new creation, right? Those ways that we talked about praying our way into Sabbath. Second invitation, pray um, in the midst of Sabbath, right? Whenever you find that you have that moment, whenever you find that you can make that moment, to press the pause button, right, in that moment, ask God to give you God's perspective on, on it, at the very least, on your calling and on your relationships. I think those are the, the two things in those two passages that we saw Jesus get clarity from, from God the Father about. And third, um, pray as Sabbath as rest itself, right? In, in that way that's like, um, right, we're not turning prayer into another thing that we owe, right, uh, the Pharaoh who demands work from us, right? So praying as rest, as, as um, 
uh, as festivity, um, as something outside the paradigm of work and what we owe. Ask yourself, what's one way of connecting with God that you would want to do? And when you find that, try it out. Um, in fact, maybe build a practice around it. See if God will show up. I, if, you, if you'd stand, I'd just love to pray for us in this moment. Is there someone on the prayer team who's got words to share as well? That'd be great. But I just want to pray for um, just a release of, and this is like the thing that like I, I want from the Lord that I've been asking God for, so we like ask for it for all of us. Just a release from burden, a sense of like, uh, spiritual life with God that's just like another thing that I another responsibility that that I'm either checking the box off on or I'm not I'm feeling guilty about or I'm feeling just a release from burden so that we could respond openly to God so if that's if that's like a gift that you would want I invite you to open up your hands uh, to, to receive Holy Spirit would you we open up our hands to release these burdens to you even the burden of trying to like perform as spiritual people to perform as your as your children um, or would you instead help us receive the gift of just knowing ourselves as your children and receiving the gift of um, of a vibrant life with you that is in line with our actual desires that you would just spark those little desires in us that would where we'd suddenly say yes oh, oh yes that that doesn't feel like burden that doesn't feel like another responsibility that doesn't feel like another performance it, it feels like it feels like the deepest desire of my heart to connect with God my creator redeemer the one who's making all things new come Holy Spirit would you give us that gift of freedom just speak freedom to every uh, sense of burden, every sense of um, of of enslavement to even to like our own kind of best ideas of what um, the life of like a good Christian would look like. Would you set us free to encounter you in your grace and in your goodness and in your generosity and your love?